Welcome to the Todd DeVoe Show, exploring the best ideas and lessons for leaders. Good morning, good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you are at in this fine world. And I'm pretty excited uh, for today's show. But before we get into the show, I want to thank Buffalo Computer Graphics. Um, and since 2002, Buffalo Computer Graphics D-Land Emergency Management Solutions has helped teams across the United States and Canada prepare for, respond to, and report on emergencies. And DLAN's secure web-based tools are extremely intuitive and are automated custom uh, work reduced data entry and error without error. Uh, DLAN with any organization can easily track, manage, and report multiple incidences at one unified solution. So today, everything seems to be political. Um, and I want to get into this a little bit because we've had this conversation in the past of <clears throat> can we keep politics out of what we do as emergency managers and disaster responders? Uh, we have stuff going on in Florida right now. And what I found interesting about the Florida event is that there, the, the governor of Florida shows up um, and any time a political figure shows up to these event to these disasters, it is not good. And when I say not good, it's everybody has to stop what they're doing. It, it, it is kind of a photo op, but it's also, it's a political thing that they have to kind of do. You know, the governor here in California has done it. The presidents, when they come, it's just a, it's that, that thing. And I found it funny that the press was giving him a hard time on that. And I'm wondering if they would have done the same thing if it was somebody who, who they like, right? <clears throat> and I'm not going to get into either side of it, but this just seems to be that way. So Bonnie, who is our guest today, is the author of Untrustworthy, and it's the knowledge crisis breaking, uh, breaking our brains, polluting our politics, and uh, corrupting uh, the Christian community. And we're going to get into the intersection of politics um, and emergency management or crisis management. Bonnie, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. So, how is politics like? Just like this, it seems to be weaving its way into everything these days. Yeah, it's, um, it's really interesting to think about the extent to which so many of us spend so much of our time on politics in a way that we did not used to relatively recently. And I think a lot of it really goes down to technological changes. Um, some of it you can trace back to the rise of the 24-hour news cycle in the 1990s. Um, but, you know, the internet, of course, is a huge factor in the fact that where once you would have sort of consumed the news and thought about politics in the discrete moment of reading the newspaper or watching the evening news hour, now it's with you all the time. It's, it's you know, in your hand when you're waiting for five seconds at the grocery store and you pull that phone out and take a look. It used to be the, you know, the old saying, don't talk about religion or politics you know, with your neighbors or whatever. And, and it's probably a pretty good advice today. But it used to be, though, is that, you know, you could be in one party, your neighbor could be in another party. Uh, you might vote for different people when it came to elections, possibly. Um, but at the end of the day, they still came over to the barbecue and you guys still hung out. Today, people hate, and it's a, terribly, I mean, they listen to the, the, the rhetoric they hate each other for just not voting for the same same person. What, what? Why do you think that change occurred? You know, I think it's a lot of factors, but it it, 
and, and the, the term that they use for it is um, negative partisanship. And, and so frequently the way it works out for people now is they're not Republicans or Democrats because they so much love what the Republicans or Democrats are doing. They pick the party they pick because they hate the other party so much. And, and so it's, um, it's, it's not a positive partisanship, it's a negative partisanship. It's interesting though that you mention neighbors specifically because I think um, something that's been super interesting over the past few years has been the rise of people putting political yard signs in their yard that are out there all the time. Not a campaign sign, something that's just like a permanent declaration of what your household's political allegiances are. And I moved uh, to a new state last summer and it's been interesting to think about um, happily on, on my block, there's not a whole lot of that, but to think about what would it be like to go and try to meet a new neighbor and they have this sign in their yard that says, here are my politics, they're not the same as yours. Um, you know, how the, the barrier that erects to, to sort of engaging in that very normal, mundane, apolitical local community life. You know, as we, as we talked about how politics are weaving itself into um, everything, you know, I find it interesting it's also weaving itself into crisis, such as, you know, the, well, the COVID uh, response. You know, it, it, it didn't have to be a political game that occurred, and it turned into that. Um, you know, why is that? Why, why, why can't we keep politics out of things that shouldn't be political? Oh, um, yeah. I mean, every time a crisis happens, you, you've got people coming out saying, don't politicize this at the same time, often as they politicize whatever the thing is. Um, why can't we keep it from being political? I think a lot of it is that we, we filter so much through a political lens now. We, we think about everything in terms of um, national politics and what can be done about this? Um, how can my side win on this? Uh, how can we score points in this opportunity? Um, it's sort of that that famous Rahm Emanuel quote, never let a crisis go to waste. We've really adopted that across the board. And when he first said that, you know, it was widely lambasted by Republicans saying like, look, this is just proof that they're always trying to use crises to, um, to expand, you know, big government, the power of the state, et cetera. But I think that that principle has really been widely adopted, particularly as we've come to just frame everything so much in political terms and to all become political hobbyists almost and, mm. and sort of like little self-appointed miniature pundits in a way that we didn't used to be. Um, there's a, a thought experiment that I like to, to ask people to do, which is to imagine that it's 1995 and you want to share just as many news articles and video clips as you do right now but of course you don't have facebook and so what do you do you've got to clip them out of the newspaper you've got to go to the copy shop you've got to you know use the xerox make your 250 or so copies to hit everyone who's currently on your facebook friend list you're gonna maybe get a polaroid picture to stand in for your profile picture maybe you want to share a video so you've recorded that on vhs you've got to get those copied then you package it all up, you go to the mail, you know, the post office, you send it all off, this has eaten your whole day. And then you want to get up and do the same thing all over again. Like if you mailed a single newspaper clipping to someone in the 1990s, they'd be like, oh, this person's kind of a crank. Like you don't, you didn't want to get newspaper clippings sent to you. And now we all do all that all of the time. 
um, we think that's normal behavior. I don't think it really is. Like the, the, the difference in the time it takes does make a difference, but I don't think it makes as much difference as we think. And so once we've gotten into that habit of thinking that we all need to be thinking about politics all the time, we need to have an opinion on everything that happens, then when something like a crisis occurs, it's like we've, we've lost the capacity to think about it differently, um, to sort of get out of that often very partisan framework. I'm a policy guy. Uh, I, my, my degrees are in public policy and I'm working on my PhD in public policy. So I, I enjoy thinking about it, discussing it. Um, however, I've made it a, a policy, no pun intended, uh, not to discuss politics or policy dis- dis- discuss decisions or discussions mm-hmm. with people who I do not know, mm-hmm. um, you know, on Facebook or, or whatever. And, you know, kind of, layering that on your story of, of doing the newspaper clippings which it's actually pretty ridiculous of how much time that would take could you imagine like walking into a, po- a coffee shop you know and just start yelling your political stance you know <laughs> on, on what you believe and that's pretty much what you're doing like if you're on twitter or facebook or whatever you're walking around the public square just yelling things out at people randomly and um I, you know we wouldn't accept that um, but we do on social media. I find that that's kind of an interesting uh, dynamic. I never, I never put that in in that context. Yeah, it's interesting to think about and how you know even if it's a little less weird when you're doing it online, for sure, how that that seeps out into the rest of our lives and, and our real life interactions with people. And thinking about, for example, the like the yard signs thing. One reason that interests me so much is that it's a social media behavior. It's like putting a like a frame on your profile picture to show that you support some cause, except people are now doing it in real life. We're taking that weird online behavior and bringing it out into the real world. So maybe we'll, we will yell in coffee shops soon. I don't know. <laughs> you know, um, I tend to vote third party. Uh, it's more of a protest vote than anything else, I suppose, for lack of a better term. Um, Part of it is I, I understand. I what my my goal just to let everybody know for voting third party a lot of times is to 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 raise the number so third party candidates can get involved in the conversation nationally, right? Because it's this really weird rules that they have established. Yeah, ballot access rules. Yeah, and, and so that's kind of why I vote that way. Um, and I've had I had a person stop talking to me that I've known for years because I was not supporting their particular candidate for president at the time. Because I told them, I said, no, I'm going to vote third party. And they're just like, oh, you know, and I'm like, wow. So I've never, and, and so I've, I've, I've experienced that personally uh, on, on that side of it. Um, you know, but how does that work? You know, thinking about this, right. And, and going into the context of your book, I suppose, is like, how does that work in the community when, if people stop talking to, to each other based on their politics, can we really have community then? Yeah, I mean, I don't think we can. And I think that there's a strong case that a lot of our um, sort of like political division is very much tied. And, and especially I think when you get into sort of weirder variants, um, like like conspiracist movements, I think a lot of it is very tied to loneliness. Um, mm. You know, the, the even before we it, it's they're they're feeding each other, right? The, the political antagonism makes it harder to be in community life with other people, but also loss of community is something that is feeding the political antagonism. And so um, by making us lonely, by making us 
looking for something to do with our time, somewhere to find meaning and politics emerges as, as a, a way to spend time and a way to feel like we're part of something meaningful. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of like the, the bowling alone book, the, the thesis that we've, we've lost all of these community connections that we used to have. We're not in clubs with people anymore. We don't know our neighbors. We, um, you know, are, are increasingly isolated and that makes it harder to, to meet people who have different politics from you and realize that, you know, they're not that bad. And then it, it becomes a vicious cycle where even what community you do still have left, once you've gotten into that mindset, uh, you may begin to start alienating them or they might start alienating, alienating you because of these political disagreements. You know, you brought up Bowling Alone. It's one of those, you know, books that I, I read. Did I read it in undergrad or graduate school? I think I read it in grad school. <clears throat> um, and I use it to, to teach today, too, specifically about community um, emergency response concepts. And mm -hmm. one of the things that we created was this thing called Neighbor for Neighbor in the, in the city I worked in, where we would do mini disaster preparedness um, expos in neighborhoods, right? We allowed the neighborhood to define what they were. And um, it was amazing to see that people, you know, really, there was like, okay, I know that guy's name. I know he walks a dog every day at seven, but I don't know his name, you know, and you really don't know who is in your neighborhood anymore. Unlike in the, in the, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, you know, um, back in the day when everybody knew exactly everybody's business, maybe that's not where you want to go today, but I'm just saying at least there was community that was developed around that. And when something happened, everybody came together. And, and it made me think of, you know, 9-12, right? Um, on 9-12, on um, everybody was an American. Um, you know, we all, everybody's waving the flag and, you know, everybody, political differences went away. And for a very short period of time in America, I think it felt like, you know, like, again, like 19, you know, 1940s America, right? You know, when, you know, World War II type thing where everybody sort of came together. Um, can we get back or do we, I mean, I would say, can we, do we, do people want to get back to the time when we were more a uh, community together as a nation that there wasn't this divide? Yeah, it's, I think people, I think there's a sense in which people do. Um, I was just reading an interesting article this morning about how um, some people like mainly young people who are pretty far left politically have been getting involved in in like traditional Catholicism and the way they talk about it is basically like we we like this um you know some of it is about like the smells and bells but some of it is they they like this sort of community life that comes with it um I think that there is there's a lot of loneliness there's a lot of hunger to to get to know people to be back in in a, a more robust community life but I don't think people know how to do it and some of that is about not really knowing how to or even whether it's desirable to overcome really significant political differences like sometimes you'll see people talk about you know i can't i don't think it would be right for me to be friends with someone who believes x because then aren't i aren't i sort of endorsing x aren't i condoning it saying that it's okay shouldn't we maybe ostracize those people um, and, you know, there's probably a lot of those people, whatever X may be. And so that's, that's something that I think is a, a newly open question about, like, is it, a, is it unethical to be friends with someone with different politics than you? But I also think even for people who aren't getting into that uh, debate, there is a real uncertainty about how do you 
how do you do it? How do you do community? Like, where do you, where do you find that? Um, I, for a long time, um, read, uh, there's a, this forum website, Reddit, and they have a, a section that's specifically called Ask Reddit, where people will pose sort of big picture questions and thousands of people will answer them. And one of the questions that comes up really regularly is, how do you make new friends in a new city as an adult? And the answers every time, the top answers are volunteer, get involved in some sort of club or group activity that makes you meet regularly and talk to your neighbors. And they're basically trying to replicate church, right? Like mm. it's the, the, um, the regular meeting, the close proximity of the neighbors and the like higher meaning and purpose of the volunteering. Um, they're missing, of course, like, you know, the God stuff. Um, and nobody wants to say church. Nobody wants to recommend church because like the average Redditor is a 25 year old atheist male. Um, but they're looking for, they, they very much want to have friends. They very much want to be in a community. Um, and they, these are the things they come up with. And you know, that, that might work. Um, people do make friends through clubs, but those things are significantly so voluntary now and so transient. Even, even who your neighbors are is really transient now. We move so much more than we used to. And so it's harder in those contexts to build the sort of durable ties that you got from older forms of community, again, especially church and other religious contexts, because what keeps you there if it gets a little bit difficult? There's nothing forcing you to stay. You can just bounce. What, what is community? Hmm. I would say it is people with whom you spend a significant amount of time, um, for whom you have some sort of affection, which is not always the same as, you know, actively liking everything about them. Um, you know, we think about how we are with our families. Like often we have family members for whom we have affection, um, and affection often comes from like familiarity of someone, you know, you know them really well and you come to, to appreciate their weird little quirks, even sometimes while recognizing that if you met them in other contexts, you wouldn't be friends. Um, I think community includes that kind of relationship where they are part of your community and you appreciate and rely on them, even if it's not the sort of like uh, perfectly aligned matchmaker friendship the way that we think about sometimes. Um, so I think it's about time spent together. I think it's about looking beyond um, just that, that real close alignment of we're exactly alike and like all the same things. Um, and yeah, I, I think it does involve a lot of communication and, and proximity is important, which is not to say that it's impossible to have like a long distance community, to have community online, for example, but that definitely makes it harder. So I think of, you know, I'll, I'll explain this a little bit more here in a second. So I, I think of things like, you know, community and then tribalism and then nationalism, right? Mm. And and I always think of community being more, like, better, nice mm. way to put things. And I think of tribalism. And are we naturally drawn into, like, tribalism um, ideas? Because they think about, I mean, even in sports, right? And, you know, here in in California, um, I'm sure other parts of the nation too. Um, you know, I can think of the the Giants, the San Francisco Giants baseball teams versus the Dodgers, and there's literally been murders 
happening in the parking lot based upon what the jersey that the other person's wearing. I know there's been fights in the stands at like other places and stuff like that, but it's like somebody's being murdered in a parking lot uh, due to the fact that they're wearing the wrong wrong jersey. Um, is that just human nature? Do we do we just need to be part of a tribe and 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 everybody else is outcast? You know, and does that expand into nationalism, um, or is this why politics are the way they are today? I think we we do very much want to be part of a group. Um... Whether, but I don't think it has to be in that sort of negative tribal or on the larger scale nationalist sense, right? So I think there's a big difference between a, a group where, um, you know, you're you're together because you're trying to draw close to one another, as opposed to you're together because you're trying to keep other people out. Um, and so I would say, like the former can be a healthy community. The latter is where you're getting into sort of that that much more negative uh, tribalistic behavior. Um, of course, uh, you know, a, a, a group can start in the more positive sense and end up in the more negative sense. So it's not like there, there's any single guarantee that your group that you're in is going to be the good kind. Um, right. <laughs> I think we, we do need to, to have some sort of, um, group identity to, to have an us that we think of ourselves as part of, but I think that doesn't and it often becomes a, a, a negative and, and harmful thing, but it doesn't have to. I mean, and, and this, by the way, is nothing nothing super new. I mean, heck, the Beach Boys even have a song called Be True to Your School, which talks about, you know, <laughs> going out, driving around and making sure you have your, your varsity jacket on, right? Sure, you know, yeah, very important. <laughs> yeah, so, so, you know, so it's, this is nothing really new, but it just seems to be it's taken to the next level um, when, when we're talking about this. And and so that brings me to the question, like, what, what drove you to write this, your, your second book? The, mm -hmm. the... Yeah, well, so in my, my, most of what I do most of the time is, is opinion journalism. Um, and I sort of found myself, I would say, especially in like 2018 through 2020, maybe three or four years around there returning and, and not on purpose, not like I was planning a series or something, but just driven by what was happening in the world, returning to a lot of related topics in my in my day to day writing things about, um, you know, like, how do we know what we know? How should we be thinking about um, like misinformation uh, and, and people believing and sharing misinformation on the Internet? Um, things about like how, how we're, we're behaving toward each other in politics and the, the, the claim it has over our attention and our relationships. And so as I was coming back to these themes over and over, I started to, you know, think, well, these are really related. They're part of a, a bigger issue and maybe it would be good to, to write about them in a little bit of a, a longer and more durable format. And so now your book is being released uh, this month, right? Or this week? Uh, next week, Tuesday next the week. 11th. Very soon. Yeah, uh, for some reason, yeah. I was thinking uh, my, my mind got messed up a little bit because my daughter just turned 10 yesterday, so I was catching 10 in my head. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, that's exciting, though. Uh, how can people find find your book? Um, I mean, it should be available anywhere books are sold. You could, um, it's available for pre-order right now. So you could go ahead and buy it. And at this point, it's so close to the release date. It, it probably wouldn't really be um, delayed at all in terms of, of getting it. Um, 
you can also, so, you know, Amazon, your local bookstore, whatever it is that you're, you're interested in. Um, and uh, I, I have heard that Amazon's having some, some problems, not specifically with my book, but like with new releases in general, getting books yeah. out the door on time. So, um, you know, if you do have a, a more local option or you could buy straight from the publisher, um, which is Baker Publishing Group, that might be a little bit faster, more reliable. And again, the title of the book is Untrustworthy to Knowledge, Crisis Breaking Our Brains, Polluting Our Politics, and Corrupting Christian Community. I mean, I, th I think it's something that we really need to be talking about. And, um, <clears throat> you know, even if you're, even if you're not a uh, Christian, it's still about community at the end of the day and, and about how politics is really breaking the community. That's what really drove me to have the conversation with you, Bonnie. Um, you, you know, and I know I kind of asked the question earlier, but I mean, just kind of going back to the community, can we can we rebuild what it means to be in a community today, or or is it broken too much, and is it just is what it is at this point? I don't think it's broken too much, but I I do think that it has to be something that we we do deliberately, and I think it has to be you know it's not just going to happen for you in most cases. Um, you know, many people think back to like college or, or high school as the greatest years of their life. And, and I think the reason is like you were in community, you saw your friends all day, every day, you, you had those interactions. That is probably almost certainly not going to just happen to you by chance once you're in adulthood and, you know, your, your neighbor, your coworkers are not your neighbors. Um, you don't spend, and they're not your family. Like you don't spend time with the same people all the time. And it really is so much about time and attention. Like where are we spending our days and with whom are we spending them and what voices are we listening to? And so I think we, it is not impossible to get back to a healthier version of life with one another, um, but we can't expect it to just happen. And neither I think can we expect it to happen without um, maybe even uncomfortable changes in our own lives, you know, giving up uh, habits of time use, like how many, how many hours do you need to spend watching TV, be that the news or something else? How many hours do you need to spend um, browsing Facebook or Twitter, or Instagram, whatever is your, your dr social media drug of choice when those are hours that you could be spending, like having a meal with friends or going on a walk with them or doing something else like, we have to, I think, very deliberately and regularly look at our, our time choices and our behavior toward one another. And I think that unless absent, uh, I guess this is appropriate on this podcast, absent some huge disaster <laughs> that really <laughs> changes the way that we live and like the technology that we have, I don't, I think this is something that we will probably have to work at for the rest of our lives because, um, you know, I don't think that the the subtitle is really an exaggeration. I think our brains are pretty broken. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I agree. You know, you, you got me thinking when you said about, you know, seeking community, the high schools and colleges, people. And I, and I'm that, and one of the things I've noticed that everybody, you talk to any veteran, well, let's say every veteran, mm -hmm. the majority of, of us, and they say, what's the one thing you miss about being in the military? It wasn't the job necessarily, but it was being around people that you, felt a bond with mm -hmm. right the, the brotherhood or the sisterhood or whatever you want to call it, right and um that makes sense now when you say that that is we were there because we 
we worked together we lived together we ate together we mm -hmm. played together everything was in that group that you were connected with and that you had the bond of the uniform as well you mm -hmm. know so and I, I guess that's a very strong community and then veterans seek out that <clears throat> when they come back by either joining the veteran for wars or yeah. mm -hmm. the american legion or you know in some cases other organizations like that so that makes a lot of sense um mm -hmm. You know, I, I know that you're doing some great work. I do appreciate everything that you're doing um, and uh, uh, in the book. So everybody, you know, please go out, take a look at it, buy it. Or if you, you know, get it from the library or ask your library to buy it if you don't want to purchase books. I know that's, that's kind of a thing people are doing now. And I'm sure you can get it on uh, electronic uh, version um, if that's something the way that you want to participate. Mm -hmm. And again, the uh, title of the book is the author is Untrustworthy. The Knowledge Crisis Breaking Our Brains, Polluting Our Politics, and Corrupting Christian Community. Bonnie, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you again for having me. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. Now, these conversations that we're having regarding what community is, how we can, how, how we can perpetuate it to make it better is really important because as emergency managers and those of us that are in the crisis response world, it, realistically, we are trying to fix and help and rebuild communities after disasters. For those of you that are in Florida doing that today, uh, please know that we're here for you in any way that we can be. I know lots of uh, responders are, are on their way uh, to Florida right now to help. Uh, I've been looking at uh, a lot of uh, great information that is uh, coming out regarding all different types of organizations that are going out there to help out. It's disastrous it's the worst uh hurricane that has hit the coast down there since 1930 something 1935 i think it is um i know we have a lot of work to do to build that back up and we're with you all the way through this so everybody until next time please stay safe stay hydrated